You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. We might get a cease and desist order from the Queen after this episode. No, not Elizabeth. That would be cool. We might get a cease and desist order from a woman who claims to be the Queen of Canada or her followers. Let's get a few things about this out of the way. Yes, it's a QAnon thing. No, none of her claims are true. They are obviously ridiculous. But yes, it appears that tens of thousands of Canadians believe her, or at least they're willing to pretend to believe her if it allows them to continue living inside a conspiracy. And yes, this started on the internet, but it's happening in real life. And that's the part that we want to focus on today. It can be amusing online to read these insane conspiracy theories. Joking about them on social media is par for the course these days. Sometimes that's just fun, a way to deal with the craziness. But the fun ends when across the country, followers of this woman are walking into businesses, harassing staff, threatening them, and filing or serving, as they call it, these fake cease and desist letters that we are probably going to get when this airs. By the way, the penalty for not ceasing and desisting, according to these letters, is execution. So now we've got death threats to Canadian businesses and their employees in the real world. There's nothing funny about this anymore. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Peter Smith is a journalist who covers extremism with the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. There's lots of extremism to discuss today. Hi, Peter. Hello, sir. Why don't you start in, and we've covered QAnon in Canada before on this podcast, but not for a while. Can you describe the evolution of uh, Canadian QAnon circles over the past year or so? Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, most people are familiar with the fact that it started on image boards, um, like 4, 4chan, 8chan, 8kun. But it was when it hit Facebook, which at the time obviously wasn't doing anything to kind of restrict uh, the spread of QAnon, that it, it really exploded um, internationally, but especially within the United States and by, uh, by our connection to them, Canada. Uh, it emerged kind of first in the yellow vest movement scene. Um, again, not as a like a defining ideology of the movement, but they were accepted and they supported the same goals. And then now we see that same kind of transition into the anti-lockdown movement. Um, so much like the yellow vest movement, heavily uh, infiltrated and informed by by hate groups, hate promoting individuals. Uh, conspiracy theory that's that's rooted in very old types of anti-Semitism, um, but yeah, this this space, which is you know as much as QAnon is a big tent conspiracy, the anti-lockdown movement is a a big tent movement. Um, that space has given a home in Canada to most of those ideas, and that's really where it predominantly lives right now. In general, and we're going to talk about today's subject in just a moment, but previous to this. 
My understanding is that that the conspiracy theory element of QAnon had mostly been based inside the United States. So previously, had there been any like Canada-specific QAnon theories about what's happening in this country? Oh, absolutely. Justin Trudeau has figured into the overarching plot of a of a new world order conspiracy for a long time. But he was mentioned, I think, within the first five or six. Q drops, like the messages that Q would leave when he was still active uh, on message boards. So he's always been seen as one of these like, quote unquote, globalists, part of the entrenched political elite, like the the divide or the, the common factor in QAnon belief is typically this idea of a of a cabal that is controlling all of these events. You know, they're responsible for the lockdown. They're responsible for Trump losing the election. Um, and yeah, Justin Trudeau has always, from from the very start, before Q really gained a following, he's been seen as a as a member of that group. What about what we're dealing with now? And this is why we wanted to invite you on the program today, because, you know, while Trudeau may be a part of some of the narration of these conspiracy theories, what we're seeing right now is an actual Canadian QAnon personality, I guess, influencer. Um can you just tell me a little bit about, like, who is Ramona DiGiulo? So Q himself, or their selves, has been quiet since, I believe, December. It's the longest period that they haven't communicated with the outside world. And there have been periods of, of long breaks. But in Q's absence, you have these QAnon influencers who kind of exist in the space. And Ramona has actually been around for a fairly long time running some type of of kind of business grift it seems like I'm not we're not sure exactly if she's ever managed to capitalize on it but she's she's had this pattern of setting up of setting up these these kind of shell companies that generally get kind of cycled out when they don't file taxes um but yeah without with the absence of Q these very popular figures um have filled the space of kind of dubbing who speaks for their movement and who doesn't. So yeah, Romana Dedulo uh, produced a video, I believe, in February, claiming that Canada was now a republic. She's the commander in chief. She's the prime minister. She's the queen, which is a bit of a strange notion when republics, by definition, reject the idea of royalty. But this self-declared video got picked up by a few influencers in the Q space. Like the again, it's mostly an American movement, but it has very broad international reach, uh, which only seems to be expanding with time. So she was kind of confirmed, as some members put it, by these other influencers, which led to a massive skyrocketing in her pop popularity. So she went from a few hundred followers up to, I checked this morning, uh, it was close to 23,000 just very shortly, all because of the word of these, these Q influencers who have filled the void left by their, their prophet. And so we'll address her, her claims in a moment, but what has she begun to do then with that following that she's gained? Her main, I guess, modus operandi is issuing these cease and desist orders. Like a lot of Q, they are reacting to the lockdown measures, she views them as illegal, especially now that she's declared them to be kind of invalid from her new position. 
Um, and so the main thing she's asking her followers to do is these distribute these print at home cease and desist orders, which is we've seen kind of handed out around the country. Like there, there's a massive network of her trying to push these internationally. Um, but predominantly it's taking place in Canada. And as, as Vice News recently reported, her followers were handing them out at schools, um, just any public or private institution that is enforcing lockdown measures is potentially a recipient of them. What do these cease and desist orders say? Uh, do you have one? Can you read some parts of it to us? Oh, yeah, I have. Uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's several different versions, but I have one here for, for Canada. So it, it reads, Dear Sirs, I, Romana Dadulo, Head of State and Commander-in-Chief, Head of Government of Canada, Queen of Canada, bring to your immediate attention and order you to cease and desist all the genocide and crimes against humanity under natural law, common law, treaty law, Article 6 and 7 of the International Criminal Court Statute, the Nuremberg Code, the Geneva Convention, the United Nations Convention, United Nations Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples in your jurisdiction. And then there is a list of grievances against COVID-19 regulations, including all COVID-19 vaccinations and experimentation. Uh, kind of parentheses, genetic warfare across Canada, all PCR testing, all masking, all lockdowns, all quarantine. This will serve as your lawful notice to cease and desist all further actions described above effective immediately. Furthermore, I declare all of Canada open upon publication of this order, including all borders between the United States and Canada. Special notes, Joseph... Joe Biden is not president of the United States, and the U.S. Armed Forces has been in control since January 14th, 2021. An email to the commander-in-chief of the U.S. Armed Forces has been sent to the Armed Forces of Canada last night, acknowledging and confirming my authority as head of state and commander-in-chief, head of Canada, and queen of Canada. Signed and sealed, Her Royal Highness, Queen Lady Romana Dadula. And what's the penalty for people who don't comply with this? Well, the penalty, uh, as she so po poetically put it one time, uh, is lead in the head. Hmm. So, yeah, the crime since since her very first video for not following the C&D orders has been death, which is, is kind of the main focus. It's not like Dadula herself is a very interesting figure, but the support that she's galvanized around her so quickly you know, this this group of a few thousand people, depending which province you're in, um, distributing C&D letters, you know, with the knowledge that if they are not obeyed, it will ultimately result in people's execution is the most disturbing part. So like she is she's very central to it all. But truly, the danger is in her following. Well, yeah, and that's what we wanted to ask you about specifically, because we've covered QAnon before and and often it's talked about and I think thought about as an online phenomenon. Um, but this is happening in real life uh, at businesses across Canada right now, right? What happens and do the authorities get involved? Well, generally not. A lot of the times the authorities are ones who are being served. You know, police departments, members of parliament, provincial members of parliament, MLAs, all across the country, they're all receiving these letters. The idea isn't that the followers are the ones who are going to enforce this, but these, these groups 
depending on which region you're in, the goal is to create a log of who has and who hasn't received notice that they need to stop from the queen. And then at some point, the military or whoever they believe is going to be eventually in control and supporting, you know, this this new leader is going to is going to conduct these executions. And these are being served not just to police and, and law enforcement, but also to just, and I believe I've read a couple of descriptions about it, just to, to ordinary workers at restaurants or takeout places, right? Right. Any place that is enforcing a mass mandate or any type of the restrictions that the government has put in place for COVID-19 is a potential recipient. I've seen that. I've seen videos of them distributed to Canadian Tire. Like you said, you know, very small local restaurants as well as, you know, large chains and, of course, government. What does the Canadian Anti-Hate Network think about the transition of this stuff from online to real life? This is why we wanted to talk to you, because it, I shouldn't have to say it crossed a line, but it, it feels way more dangerous. Well, certainly, that's, that's always the biggest barrier that I see inside of explicitly hate groups is mobilization, is getting people out. Um, you know, my, my main job is kind of monitoring and reporting on them, which a lot of times involves some type of infiltration. And the biggest thing that any type of group uh, struggles with is getting guys out to put up their posters, to, you know, deliver this type of material to businesses. She seems to have not really suffered any of those stumbling blocks. There would be no... Romana Tadula as we know her now without these other Q influencers. But once she had that attention, she immediately put it to use. Like I said before, to me and to the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, the most disturbing part is just how quickly that mobilization has happened. She went from being relatively unknown to, you know, one of the largest followings of this type of figure in Canada, and then immediately had boots on the ground of people distributing notices. Can you explain to me, you're inside these groups uh, looking at their posts. Do they really believe this stuff? I mean, this is even more ridiculous and, and obviously false on its face than the original Q conspiracy, which that there was a guy in the government, you know, reporting on the deep state. Like, this is kind of beyond the pale. Are they actually... Have they actually gone down this rabbit hole or are they pretending because it it lets them access some kind of power or status? I mean, I can't I can't speak to everyone's motivation, but Yeah, fair enough. I I broadly generalized because I'm just so curious about the mind state um that leads these people off the internet and into real businesses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I yeah, like I said, I I can't generalize about everybody in this group, but certainly from what I've seen there are a significant amount of true believers and the ones who are distributing these documents absolutely fall in line. There was a bit of a dust up um, today, like the, the very day that we're recording this episode, because she declared that the age of consent slash marriage is now 24. Yes, I saw that. Right. And it, it caused a few commenters to be like, OK, now this is getting weird. But but truly, I believe, yeah, that these people are mostly acting in good faith, you know, they see a government they feel doesn't represent them, but the narrative of why that is happening or how that is happening, you know, they, they've, decided, they've decided to indulge in this kind of very far-flung fantasy about it all. In Canada, 
I don't think we have seen this type of figure before, though. We have never had a central QAnon figure who was distinctively Canadian giving dictates to Canadians. And that's what I wanted to know is from what you've seen, what are the next uh, logical steps? What should people or authorities be preparing for when you see a group like this, uh, to your point, grow so quickly and get boots on the ground? The solution to dealing with conspiracism is always a bit murky. People never, or people, people generally don't approach it all from the same, from the same point. So there's no, there's no magic bullet to dealing with these types of people or, or figures like Dadula. I think the main thing that, pe- that if people want to kind of take action or they see someone in their family who's maybe being drawn in to this type of thinking is to really engage with them. Um, people have to be protective of themselves and their own mental health. Like No one is immune to propaganda. I know that from experience. But families, friends, loved ones, like they are very much the front line of when people start to enter this world, of actually pulling them out. You know, dissent is such an like, essential part of our democracy. It is incredibly important, but this type of wild conspiracism that is not at all rooted in reality, uh, you know, has potentially dangerous consequences. So it's very easy to just kind of let people be, but yeah, you really want to, you want to reach out if you see someone being drawn into this world, because it doesn't happen overnight. And as much as it can happen very quickly, there are always off ramps. And people who have credibility with one of these individuals, who are loved and cared about by these individuals, you know, we we see often have the best chance of kind of helping them and pulling them out. Is there any optimism that as things continue to reopen and knock on wood, vaccinations continue and cases drop, that we'll see a decrease in this kind of behavior? I know we covered QAnon a couple of times during the height of the pandemic, and that was always one of the things that the experts told us, that a lot of this, or at least some of it, is attributable to the fact that people are stuck in their homes. In many cases, they've lost their jobs. They have nothing to do but go down the rabbit hole. Again, I would hesitate to say unequivocally. You know, we we certainly hope that, that that would happen. And as I mentioned before, the lockdown movement has such a big tent that it very much brings people who might go into it with very benign seeming reasons. You know, they're upset that they're, they can't go to work. Um, you know, they disagree with the response to the pandemic. It puts them in very close contact with very conspiracy minded individuals, you know, out and out racist all the way over to the, the QAnon theory. You know, I, I do hope that when things open up, that kind of familiarity and that close contact will be disrupted a bit. But I, I truly don't think that this is just going to disappear when the lockdown ends. You know, the lockdown ending could easily be seen as a as a victory by some of these people. You know, they they managed to wrestle the government away from taking this type of power or they could see, you know, the, the type of laws and everything we have rolling out now. Bill C-10 the proposed uh, online harms legislation, they could very much see that as kind of the next phase. It's important to remember that confirmation has not been a requirement for QAnon belief or conspiracism in general, just to move away from QAnon as a a focus. You know, the, the prophets don't necessarily need to be right for the believers to continue moving forward. 
And especially now that Q is gone, we've seen that many of these individuals are happy to try to take up the mantle or enjoy the spotlight for as long as they can and continue the mythology forward. The last thing I want to talk to you about concerns that spotlight that you mentioned. You know, one of the things I often wrestle with when we do episodes like this is if we should be throwing more gas on the fire. If somebody listens to this episode and is intrigued by Ramona DiGiulo, that they might go out uh, and investigate and fall down that rabbit hole themselves. And I also worry about what I see online, which is essentially people ridiculing this. And I've done it myself because it's it's so baseless and ridiculous. Um, but how should we address this in a way that can deal with how serious it's becoming without giving more airtime to beliefs that are proliferating? That's also something that I think about a lot, whereas <clears throat> the entire body of my work is investigating these type of materials. Like I'm obviously biased that I think that sunlight is the best disinfectant, that by putting a lot of these things out into the open, discussing them in good faith and adding context, that the conversation can be had uh, in, in a meaningful way. But there's no doubt that you know, putting oxygen into a fire uh, and amplifying these type of people or figures can have, have serious consequences. And, and we do see it all the time across media. I think the key piece kind of of the puzzle in that regard is the context. You know, you have a bigger audience than Jadula. I, you know, I mean, maybe not recently, but we, for the most part, have a larger audience than the, than the people that we report on. You know, you have, to, you have to present it in a way and you have to try to add that context. And you know, without that, it, it really runs the risk of becoming promotion. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time for this today. Um, I hope we didn't promote anything. Uh, and just to be clear for anybody who's still listening, Queen Elizabeth II is still, as far as I know, the Queen of Canada. It's been a genuine pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Peter Smith of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. If you'd like more big stories, including several reporting on the rise and current evolution of the QAnon conspiracy theory, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You can search in the little bar at the bottom for QAnon. I can't promise you'll be happy with what you get. You can also talk to us on Twitter at TheBigStoryFPN. You can email us anytime, TheBigStoryPodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. And you can go leave us a rating and a review in your favorite podcast app. You better do it because we need them to balance out the QAnon crazies that I am sure will flood our reviews if they hear me talking about this. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.